Welcome to the Kate Take Podcast. I'm your host, Kate Brown. Each week, I'm going to share with you a tangible tool that you can apply to your mindset or routine so you can stop sitting on your hands and start making moves to make that dream on your heart a reality. This is my take on a no BS, tough love, yet gentle approach on what to do in your daily life. Because at the end of the day, you are the one that's going to find the courage to apply these things and take them into your own life and create your own amazing reality. I need you to buckle up. I need you to get ready to get real, have some fun, swear a little bit along the way, and hear my take each week on how to make your dreams go from a just a dream to a reality. You excited? I know I am. So buckle up and let's go, girl. Here's today's episode. Hello, my friends. Welcome back to the Kate Take Podcast. Today, we have a fantastic guest. It is a new friend of mine, but someone that I immediately was inspired by and just felt connected with. And right away, I thought, oh, we got to get Addie on the podcast. So I have Miss Addie White um, today as our guest on the podcast. And Addie and I met a couple of weeks ago at a leadership event through Beachbody, which we partner with for our coaching business. And I don't even, where were we? Were we drinking margaritas? Probably. (laughs) There's a lot of spicy margs consumed. But anyway, we connected um, like one of the first days of our leadership event. And we spent a lot of time together um, with some of her coach friends that were there and the coaches I went with. And Um, It's one of the beauties of this business are the people that you meet. Um, And Addie, of course, will maybe speak a little bit about coaching on this, but more so um, Addie's going through a really incredible journey of ups and downs right now in trying to conceive with her husband. And if you follow Addie on social media and we will plug her Instagram and all of that, it's truly inspiring. Um, You know, I can't speak to this because it's not my life experience, but I know someone is listening to this podcast today or someone's going to share it with a friend and Addie, your story is going to, is going to help them so much. So um, with that, welcome to the cake take. Well, thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited okay. too. So yeah, a little bit about me and my name is Adelaide Great. White. I am, I'm a COVID bride, unfortunately. <laughs> I have always dreamt of having the big gorgeous wedding and the ball gown, my dad walking me down the aisle, all the things. We got engaged July of 2019 and we were like, all right, let's, let's do this. We're ready to get married. And we wanted to get married pretty quickly because we were ready to start a family. Like we were ready right off the bat on our very first date. We asked each other like, so how many kids do you want? We were like, we, we had the goal to start a family as quick as possible. Uh, and let's see our wedding was going to be April 18th, 2020. And of course COVID came in hot and fast. And it was like two weeks before we were supposed to get married. Uh, we had to cancel everything and it was like devastating and freaking sucked. And I mean, obviously these were things that were totally out of our control, but it literally felt like I was mourning something I've jumped of for forever. And we went, we kept going like back and forth, back and forth. We weren't sure. Do we just still get married, just the two of us? Do we wait it out? I mean, we think of like April, 2020, we had no idea how long this was going to last. Some people were like, Oh, it's going to be a month. It's going to be, you know, two months. It'll be fine. But we decided, you know, let's just still get married. Just the two of us. So we zoomed in friends and family, which was just so wild. Like I would never imagine my wedding being that way. So crazy, but it ended up being really beautiful. And, you know, it kind of took the, I don't know, it took your wedding 
off of everyone else and just on us. And it was really, really beautiful. And we decided then and there, like, let's grow our family. Let's start this. So I have been on birth control for 10 years of my life. I got on it when I was 16 years old from like really bad period cramps. And I was like, I'm going to get on birth control because this is what I hear helps. Got on it. I had no idea the side effects. I had no idea, you know, what it's actually doing to your body and how it's literally suppressing your hormones. I had no clue. And I got off of it right around the time we got engaged because I knew like I needed to get my body right again if we were going to start trying to grow our family immediately. Uh, But I had no idea how long it actually took, especially being on it a decade. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, I, my, my periods were pretty regular around this time to be completely honest, but I like, I, I was different, right. You could tell I had some hormonal imbalances, the anxiety that I've never dealt with before depression, like acne, all these things. So from July, 2019 to basically the time we were getting married, I was really working on getting these things right. And that was just from like proper nutrition, making sure I was exercising. So like a lot of natural ways of going about it. Cause I didn't really like, I didn't want to go to other medication or anything like that, obviously. Mm-hmm. So here we are, April, 2020, we get married, just the two of us. And we're like, Hey, we're going to start, let's do this. And literally we were thinking, I, I remember this so vividly on the night we got married of being like, Hey, we want like three or four kids. We're going to space them out about like two years apart. I'll be done having kids by the time I'm 34, like literally having these yeah. thoughts in our head of how like, we're going to be so in control of this. And so we immediately started trying and I had no idea. Like, I mean, I knew you had to have sex around ovulation, right? But yes. like that, that was about, that was about all of my knowledge. I didn't really know like when I was ovulating or what to look for all the things. Uh, so the first like two months, it was kind of like trying to figure it out. And then month three, which was July of 2020, we got pregnant and we like ecstatic. that feeling of excitement is something I cherish to this day. And I can't wait to feel that again one day, but, uh, I remember telling Steven and when I told him, he was like, oh my gosh, that was so easy. Mm-hmm. And that has stuck with me to this day. Cause I'm like, oh my gosh, if we only knew, if we only knew. And then a week later, we ended up losing our first baby to a miscarriage and went through, you know, trying to balance my body out after a miscarriage. And we were like, all right, let's immediately start trying again. I went to an OBGYN, got the pap smear. They basically cleared me, told me everything was okay. But they also told me like they wouldn't, you know, do any blood work or anything like that, unless we've been trying for 12 months since the miscarriage or three reoccurring losses. And I remember being like, wait, what? That's insane. Like, what if this was a progesterone issue? And at that time, I really didn't know much about progesterone, but just from like someone I knew was like, you know, miscarriages could be caused from low progesterone. Right. So I was like, why can't we test those things? And I basically left there and I was like, I'm not Nope, not coming back here. So I then dove into some research to just figure out who I could talk to, where I could go to get people to listen to me and like be able to do what I'm asking. And again, I didn't really know very much at this time or even what I was asking. All I knew is like, I would like to be proactive rather than reactive. And so I sought out a NAPRO doctor. So if you look up NAPRO technology, they're an OBGYN and basically they are trained to get to the root of male and female fertility and they don't make you wait. They don't make you have reoccurring losses. 
they don't push IVF or IUI right off the bat or even medication. They really like get down to what's going on with you. So I sought out a NAPRO doctor and I felt so heard. I felt so seen, you know, we immediately started testing. We saw like, okay, you know, my progesterone and estrogen were where they needed to be basically telling me like, all right, I'm ovulating. Everything looks good. And so we did that for a few months. And then at this time, it was, it was actually like around this time last year. And we were like, all right, we're going to continue to try, you know, every, my, those main two hormones are where they need to be. We're going to continue to try. And I had such a good feeling about Christmas time last year, like such a good feeling. I don't know what it is, if it's the holidays yeah. or just like <laughs> me being always insanely hopeful or what. Yeah. And, um, Christmas came and went and no baby. And we were going to actually find out on Christmas Eve. I was like, oh my gosh, what a freaking miracle this would be if we found out on Christmas Eve and got to tell our family and all the things, right? Well, not the case. And um, March came around. We kept trying, kept trying and March came around and I decided to do like a full months worth of testing. So we went in and this was all through my NAPRO doctor. We went in and she suggested I could do this, you know, back around this time last year, but I was like, you know what? It's the holidays. I don't want to do this around the holidays. Like, I really think we're going to get pregnant. It's fine. So then March came and we did like a full month of blood work. So basically testing my estrogen and progesterone multiple times throughout my cycle. Um, I did a sauna histogram, which is very similar to an HSG where they basically push dye into Mm. your uterus and your tubes to make sure your tubes are open and your uterus is clear of like polyps or cysts or fibroids. And Steven did his sperm analysis and all of the, everything came back normal. Everything came back normal. And we were like, are you kidding me? We're about to come up on one year because we started trying end of April and we're like about to be one year into this journey and have had one loss and haven't had a positive sense and everything came back normal. We're like, well, what are we supposed to do now? And that's when my doctor basically said like, you know, we can give you medication if that's what you want, but you know, it, you're ovulating, you don't really need medication. And I was kind of just like, all right, like what's next? What are we supposed to do? And doctor just said, why don't you try for another three months? Since if still nothing, then we'll go to the next measure. And honestly, I don't even know what that next measure was. I was like, so out of it when she was telling me this. Cause I was like, how is everything normal? Which it almost sucks to hear that everything's yeah. normal versus there's something going on because you can't be proactive. You can't fix what's going on. Right. You're just like sitting there, like everything's normal. And I personally, I think, um, unexplained infertility is bull, bull yeah. uh, because yeah. We just don't have the funding, you know, to know actually what's going on. I once heard that there could be 98 things wrong with a female when it comes to fertility and not to mention males too, right? But 98 different things that could be wrong. So I was like, there has to be something, but we just didn't know what. So It was April, right around our honeymoon, or sorry, right around our one-year anniversary. And we actually went on our honeymoon because we couldn't (laughs) go on our honeymoon (laughs) the year before, right? So we went to Aruba and we were going to find out if I was pregnant or not in Aruba. And I was like, this is it. It's going to be the one-year mark. This is it. It's going to happen. Nope, not again. And that was at a time where I felt very, very broken. So I would say from the time of our miscarriage to this time, so our miscarriage was July, 2020 to April of this year, 2021, I was pretty numb 
I was kind of, I just kind of kept going. I've always been like very hopeful, like it'll happen. It'll happen. It'll happen. But I was pretty numb. And it was right after the holidays last year. Uh, my husband, Steven was like, all right, I think you need to go see a therapist. Yeah. You know, I don't feel like you're really diving into what happened to the miscarriage. And mm -hmm. I feel like therapy would be really good for you. And so I went and saw a therapist and then we actually went and saw a therapist together as well with different therapists, but it was, um, it was the best thing we've ever done. So if you have ever experienced loss or if you are going through this journey too, I cannot emphasize and suggest that you go seek help some way, somehow, uh, more because it's going it's going to help you. And this journey is hard as much as we women want to say, we got it. Like, it's okay. Yeah. You know, we can do this. We're strong. It's freaking hard. Mm -hmm. So like seeking help is so, so, so important when needed. And like therapy for us, it was, you know, I went about two months and I felt so much better and then learned tools to use, you know, through the months continuing. And then Steven and I, we probably went like I don't know, like four or five times together and then learn those tools and actively use them together to move forward. And we know like, cave, hey, you know, we're falling back into old habits or struggling again, then we go again. So it's not like something you have to commit to for forever, but yeah. just, and, and that's what therapy is, right? Just getting to a point of where it's helping you and using and implementing those tools and then being able to go back when needed. Um, so I, I went to therapy and that helped a lot, but then April I was like, I, I felt so broken and I felt like, you know, I wasn't a woman. I wasn't like, my body wasn't doing what it was supposed to be doing as a woman. I felt like, you know, I was disappointment to my husband and I felt like a failure and it was so out of my control and it was awful. I've never been so low in this journey, uh, until that moment. And that's when I was like, I can't just, we can't just keep trying for three more months because what's going to change, you know, no, nothing's going to change. So I decided to seek out natural help. And I started going to acupuncture. And if you follow me on Instagram, you, you hear me preach about acupuncture because it is, it, it changed my life forever. Uh, I walked and I kind of used to think acupuncture was a bunch of woo woo. Yeah. <laughs> didn't really, yeah. I didn't really know how, yeah, I don't know. I I've never really thought much of it. Cause I used to have women all the time message me and be like, you should try acupuncture. You should try acupuncture. And I was like, no, I'm, no, no, no. Like, I don't believe in that. It's fine. But then I was at a point where I was like, all right, I got to figure out something else. And that's when I went to acupuncture and everything my acupuncturist told me like aligned with what I was doing, like on the right path, but also like he was able to help discover like a deeper level of what was going on. So something for me was I was spotting in my luteal phase. So after ovulation, before my period I was spotting ever since my miscarriage and this, this isn't normal, right? My doctor kind of like brushed it off. Like, Oh, it's fine. Like as long as your luteal phase is 14 days, you're good. But my acupuncture was like, uh, no, this is a sign of low progesterone. Like this, this is not good. You know, like you can't sustain pregnancy if this keeps happening. Like your cervix mm -hmm. is literally opening. And I was like, oh my gosh. So that was like a huge aha. So even though, and sister, if you are listening to this right now and your numbers are in the normal range, but your body is telling you different things. I want you to hear this. When I say this, just because your numbers are in the normal range, it doesn't mean it's normal for you. 
Now this can be a slippery slope, but if your body is telling you different things than what your numbers are telling you know that, right. Those numbers come from studies that were done on like what a thousand women. Okay. How, like how many women are there in this world that are like struggling with fertility and everything, you know? So um, that was a big aha moment for me of like, Hey, even though my progesterone was coming back in that normal range, it didn't mean it was normal for my body. So Mm -hmm. acupuncture has helped my hormones tremendously come leaps and bounds. Um, and my body has like shown signs of that. And I've seen it literally heal. And it's been, it's been such an incredible journey with acupuncture. Um, and even going back to, I recently went and got my hormones tested again, and all my numbers have improved all of them. So it's been quite, quite the journey of ups and downs. And I just, I don't know. I feel like, cause people always ask me, how do you stay hopeful? Right. And I'm yeah. like, well, what's the other option? Mm. What, like, what's our other option here to just give up? Cause I, I mean, I know for me, like, I'm never going to give up until we have that baby, right. I'm mm. going to always be proactive and do what I can and focus on what I can until we get there. And like, I understand hope is sometimes a double-edged sword, right? We like, don't really want to be hopeful each cycle because we're scared it's going to sting or hurt more if we get that negative or our period comes. But if we don't have hope, we don't have faith. And if we don't have faith, we don't believe it can actually happen. And if we don't believe it can actually happen, then it's not going to, you know? So when people ask me like, how do you stay hopeful? I'm always like, well, what's the other option? Totally. Of course, I'm going to be hopeful like every single cycle. And let me tell you, it hurts regardless. You know, the months where I've literally thought up everything in my head of like, okay, this is the month. This would be the due date. We get to do this with the baby. We get to do that. Like all these things, like when you think it really deeply through those months still hurt just as bad as the months where I try and ignore that anything's even going on. Mm. So I truly yeah. believe that like, you know, you have, you have to stay hopeful or else you just don't think it would even happen. And we got to believe it's actually going to happen or else it won't. Absolutely. Oh, Addie, that is like, it's such a journey. And you're not the first woman that I've had on this podcast that's um, shared. If you guys are listeners to the Kate take, um, my friend, Heather Erickson shared her journey as well about kind of a trying to conceive journey. And even just hearing you Addie and like thinking about when Heather was on this, like you have such totally different stories of what was going on with you. But I think the biggest kind of takeaway that even as I'm listening to this is like that advocacy of yourself to like, if you know, in your gut that something is not right, like seek out multiple modalities to improve your health. And just like that overall, maybe the other listener on here isn't trying to conceive, but they have something else that they know is a little you know, for myself, actually, I, um, I was on hormonal birth control for like 11 years as well. And I had all this hair loss. And when I went to my a doctor, she was like, Oh, it's fine. I was like, don't you think maybe it could be tied to this thing? And same thing did acupuncture saw like a fertility neuropath doctor, and it helped with my hair loss so much. Wow. And I even learned fertility, um, coming off that. So I just think it's a good thing. It's like, one maybe isn't always better than the other, but advocating for yourself and finding what works for you, I think overall is just such an important conversation as women of like, we're not all the same. Like you, you have to find what works for you. Right. And um, I think about if I would have waited that 12 months or three reoccurring losses, like I would have just been able to start figuring out what was wrong with me in July. Yeah. of this year. And to think like how much I've learned and grown and like, I've been able to actually help improve my body mm-hmm. because, you know, I decided to advocate for myself 
is amazing. And something I once heard, which I think this is really powerful, is if a doctor or someone is, you know, giving you a suggestion on what to do next, always ask for a second or third opinion. Yeah. And this could be your significant other. This could be an acupuncturist. This could be another OBGYN. This could be your aunt who's a doctor or someone else, but always ask for a second and third opinion because doctors aren't God, right? Yeah. They're trying to help, but they yeah. aren't like the end all say all. So I know every single time my doctor has stepped in and been to me like, okay, maybe we could try this or maybe we could try that. I always go and seek out that second and third opinion just to see what else is out there or like what people that I really, you know, trust and admire their opinion on uh, to see what like their thoughts on it. And again, like doctors don't always tell you all the side effects and sometimes yeah. they will just like brush off what's going on. So to be able to have that other person there, that's like, okay, like, let's actually figure out what's going on with your hair loss or like, okay, yeah, let's actually yep. like realize like, oh, you have low progesterone, your numbers normal, but not actually normal. Right. So like seeking out that more than one opinion is so important. Yeah. I love that. So, okay. I want to ask you, Addie, you know, you said you stay hopeful and you stay, you know, it's, and it's not toxic positivity, right? Like you, we, like, we've talked about this even in our short friendship where you're like, no, I feel the feelings, but like, yeah. what would you say to that woman who's maybe in a similar journey and she is thinking, okay, good for you, Miss Positive Polly. But I like one, how do you keep the hope alive? Like what are some tangible things you actually do to like, when you experience that, you know, you've, you've had these disappointments month after month, how do you keep going? And then secondly, how has that transferred into other areas of your life? Like what lessons have you learned in this trying to conceive journey of this hopefulness and this belief and just everything like how is that transferred into other areas of your life so let's start with what are some things that woman could do or how do you stay hopeful yeah well first and foremost i do want you to know that i have very dark days as well period depression is a real real thing on this journey um but something i actually learned through therapy is how important it is to acknowledge and feel your feels, but only sit in them for 24 hours. Mm -hmm. And then you have to choose joy and joy is a choice. And that's something I didn't really understand. Yeah. Happiness may not be a choice, but joy is an actual choice. So I always make sure like when my period comes or that negative pregnancy happens, pregnancy test happens, right? I I acknowledge my feelings. So like, instead of being numb to them and just continuing to the next, I acknowledge them. I feel them. I cry. I communicate with Steven about how I'm feeling. Uh, and then I, when my head hits that pillow that night, I tell myself, okay, tomorrow morning we're waking up and we're choosing joy. And that doesn't mean it's easy. Right. Mm -hmm. But it just means like, okay, we are going to move forward. And something else I always tell myself is, you know, I've gotten through this period depression before I can yeah. get through it again, right? Like you can keep going. You will keep going because the gift is the ultimate gift at the end. So we just have to keep going. So things that I've learned through this journey that, you know, continues to help me stay hopeful and my eye on the prize is number one, focusing on controlling what I can control. Yeah. So there's so much in this journey that's totally out 
of our control. And we know that, but things you can control is like what you're fueling your body with. Like, what does your nutrition look like? Cause nutrition is so important. And we always hear that, but I never actually really understood it until being on this journey and actually realizing like, oh my gosh, this food actually helps with implantation. This food actually helps, you know, with your placenta growth, like this food actually helps with healthy ovulation. Like you don't even realize, and they're all like fruits and vegetables and meats, yeah. right? So it's yeah. like, oh my gosh, it's so important to like really cut out the processed food and like the junk and focus on, you know, organic and whole foods. So really focusing on controlling what you can control with your nutrition and also exercise. Exercise is so important. Um, exercise increases circulation and our hormones flow through our blood. So we need circulation to be beautiful and go and constantly. So exercise is so, so, so important. So as Kate said earlier, I'm a health coach with Beachbody as well. So, you know, this is something I've always known that exercise and nutrition are important, but like on this journey, it's made me even be like more like aha to it once I like dug into the research and realized how important it was. So focusing on what you can control, because I mean, we could spend all day focusing on what we can't and it's, we're not going to get anywhere, but down. Yeah. So like really focusing on what you can control. Um, another thing is looking forward to something you wouldn't be able to do if you were pregnant. So I, I always, <laughs> I always do this when I know, like I'm in that two week wait and I know my period's right around the corner. So I'm like, okay, what is something I can look forward to that'd be able to do that? I wouldn't be able to do if I was pregnant. Normally for me, it involves alcohol. So yeah. I'm like, Okay. Being able to like, you know, with Thanksgiving right around the corner, like being able to like, you know, enjoy all the spicy margs with my family or, yep. you know, all the things. Right. So having something in mind that you can look forward to and get excited about if you're not pregnant. And then another one um, is, so for me, I have not always been like religious or in my faith or whatsoever, but this journey really has like brought me close to God. And I think it's such a beautiful thing. And like focusing on prayer has been something that I feel like has helped me so much and has brought me so much peace. So like every morning when I wake up, I do my devotional, I do a little bit of like prayer time, and then I do some personal development in there. And it's normally like 30 minutes. It doesn't need to be like this hour long thing, right? Made it, make it fit your schedule. And I even just like, at first it was just telling myself like, okay, I'm just going to pray for like two minutes every single day. And that like helped me get to the next step and the next step. And then also like actually praying for people. When you say you're going to pray for them, I mm -hmm. used to always say like, Oh, I'll pray for you than like never actually pray for them. So that's something that has like really helped me too. And it kind of takes the focus off like, woe is me to like hearing other people's prayer requests and what they're going through too. And being like, okay, we can do this. Like we got this, you know? So those are things I think are really important. And then lastly, making sure you're having that open communication with your significant other. I mean, this journey is very testing and it can really pull you apart and male brain versus female brain is so different. I mean, it's, it, it's wild to see my husband go through this journey versus me. And I mean, I've had breakdowns and like huge frustrations with him when he's like not super upset with me when I get the negatives or, you know, we go through another month of trying and I'm like, I don't get it. Like, how are you not upset? I know you want a family. And he, Steven's so great. He's always been like, you know, I've never had a timeline 
I've never had a timeline. Like I know God's plan is greater than what we have in mind and it's going to work out. We just have to keep going. And then you also just have to realize like us females, we go through so much more and we carry so much more. Our hormonal changes are everywhere throughout our cycles. Like we're the ones actually peeing on all the sticks. Like, you know, we go through so much more than them. So I've had to learn to like give Stephen grace through this and just like understand that, you know, our brains are so, so, so different and then communicate when I need help. Like when I'm struggling, actually be like, tell him and not just assume that he's going to know that I'm struggling, like actually verbally be like, Hey, I'm struggling today. I I need some help or I need some extra support, or I need to go do X, Y, and Z to make me feel better. And just having that open communication is so key. Oh, It's so key. And even hearing you say that, thank you for sharing that. I know that that's going to impact someone who needed those things. And they're all, you know, as I was listening to that, it's like, I can, I could do all those things too. Right. Like those are skills that like that skill transfer and how you said the difference too. It's like, when you do become a mom and this happens for you, especially that last piece you said, like I was someone that, um, I, I, I had friends that had a hard time conceiving and I carried a lot of guilt as a female that it would, that was not our journey. It was very quick for us. Mm-hmm. And even too, in my pregnancy, then I did not enjoy being pregnant at all. I didn't like it. And I carried massive guilt because I knew that there were women out there praying for that pregnancy. And I was like, why don't I like this more? Like, I'm grateful to become a mom. And I would try to, you know, I communicated that with Zach and he, he got, he just didn't get it, you know, or pregnancy is so much ups and downs too. So it's what's going to be amazing Addie. And for the other women listening to this in the similar situation is like, when you, when you get that positive pregnancy test, that skill of like the communication and like, they just kind of don't get it until that baby's in their hands because they're not experiencing pregnancy. Like you're going to be so set with that communication with your spouse because you've already been practicing that because Lord knows carrying a child is also a journey that they obviously are not going to understand. So I just think that's such a powerful testimony because what you're doing now is setting you up to be the mom that you're going to be. And and for the other women listening to this too, like it's right. And I think that's so (laughs) like beautiful how you're saying that too, because something I heard pretty early on in my journey of trying to conceive is instead of getting angry and asking God, why is he doing this to me? Ask him, what is this teaching me? Who is this making me become? Mm -hmm. And I think those are so powerful throughout this journey, because if we sit here and focus on like, why are you doing this to me? Do you hate me? Like what's going on? Right. It, it, takes us in a dark place. But if we can look at what this journey is teaching us, who it's making us become, like, I know I've become a better spouse. I know I've become a better coach, a better friend, a better daughter, a better sister because of the struggles on this journey and what they've taught me. And even like relationships in my life, I've seen like me and my mom, for instance, you know, we have not ever been very close whatsoever, but through this journey, like she is now like my (laughs) go-to. She's like my person. And it's been so cool to see that evolve as well. So focus it, like switching that question from like, why is this happening to me? Like, what's this teaching me? Who is this making me become? And I promise you, if you do that, you're going to have so many like aha moments of like, wow, I'm so much stronger than I think I am. And I've been able to improve X, Y, and Z because of what I'm going through. Mm, Absolutely. Last question I have for you, because as you said that, it made me think of this too. Um, you know, with your business as a coach, right? Like Addie obviously partners with Beachbody too. And you have helped so many women now and you really shared your story through coaching um, and having a, you know, and a platform means 
you have two people or you have 20,000 people, right? It doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. But um, can you just share a little bit about kind of how this business and how being a coach has like kind of let you share this with other people and just, I don't know, I think that's really powerful too, because I think especially what you're going through, I think it'd be really easy to isolate. And it's, it's funny that you said, like, you know, I think of how you share and yesterday, Zach and I tried a new church out and they talked about how like the enemy wants you to isolate. And that's like the game plan is like, get you in your head, get you playing mind games. And what you're doing is shining a light on this, Addie. So how has that kind of piece of this played into everything and and connected you and maybe helped you or other women? Oh yeah. Uh, honestly, sharing my story has kind of been like therapy for me because it makes you, it makes me realize I'm not alone. And even when I had my miscarriage, I had moments at the very beginning, right after the miscarriage happened of, do I share this or do I kind of just like tuck this down and let this be like a private piece of my story. And I thought I was one of the only people that have had a miscarriage and it was wild. Once I actually started to share it, the amount of women that not only I knew in my personal life, but also like on Instagram that we had been talking and like making connections with came to me and told me like, oh yeah, I've been through that too. I mean, I had no idea 25% of women have miscarriage, one in four, no clue. You would never know. And I think now it's getting talked about more, but I, I truly feel like it's, it's honestly been just as beneficial for me as it has been, you know, other women as well. I get messages all the time and it just makes my heart so happy and just realize like, I'm not alone. Of just being like, you know, thank you for sharing this. Thank you for letting me know I'm not alone. You know, thank you for, and it's from all over the world. I mean, it's like mm-hmm. Germany, Australia, South America, like Spain, all these women. And it's like, you know, miscarriages, struggling with fertility. Like it doesn't discriminate. Yeah, it, It's everyone. And I feel like the more we talk about it and not that we need it to be a norm. Cause I yeah. mean, this is awful, but like we need it to be normal to be able to talk about and share our feelings about it. So you don't think you're going through this alone. I mean, if you go to my Instagram and see all my reels, like they're ridiculous. Right. But you know, so many women are like, Oh my gosh, you're literally describing how I feel. Like I thought I was crazy. I'm like, the thing is like, you're not alone. Like this is literally how we feel and what we're going through. So honestly, like opening up about it, I mean, don't, don't get it twisted. It was insanely difficult and very, very (laughs) hard to, yeah, to be able to be like vulnerable and put myself out there and all of that. But I, the impact I make is far greater than anything I could have ever, ever imagined. And just being able to know that even if it just helps one person, I always think about all the time, whenever I put up a reel or a post or talk on my story, I'm like, as long as this just helps one woman know she's not alone, I've done my job. Hmm. And I think that's just so important. Like, especially, I mean, no matter what you're going through, right. Especially like if you're a coach or you're thinking about coaching or, you know, you're sharing your journey more open on Instagram, just knowing that by you getting vulnerable and sharing your story, you're going to realize you're not alone and you're going to literally make an impact. And I think the world scares us into thinking like, oh, people are going to judge us or, you know, give us backlash for what we're going through because we're getting vulnerable. But if you could help one other person who's going through what you're going through, wouldn't you do that? And I think that was the turning point for me when I decided to share my miscarriage. I mean, I had no idea we would still be on this journey of trying to conceive. Yeah. 
great. But when I started to share that, I was like, as long as I can just help one other woman who may be going through this, just know that they're not alone. Like I know I've done my job because that's what I wanted. When I first went through the miscarriage, I went on Instagram and I was looking for women who were going through the same emotions I was. And I saw a lot of women who were talking about their rainbows and the beautiful ending, but no one really talking about that in-between part. And of course now Mm -hmm. I have found more, but really at the beginning, I didn't find very many. And I wanted to be that for other people of like, talk about the hard, you know, because it's not, it's not all easy. And again, whatever you're going through in life, like talking about the hard is so important because you realize it's not just you going through it. There's so many other people out there going through it as well. Mm, so powerful. And everyone, everyone has a story. They really do. And everyone has exactly something within them. It's, it's, I just think it's a really powerful testimony, Addie. Um, I can't wait to have you back on this podcast when that rainbow baby comes. I know oh, it's going to happen <laughs> and we're going to share and it's going to be amazing. And if you are listening to this today and you are in a similar space, just know like Addie and I are holding space for you and you're not alone. And so Addie, where can people find you? I know that you have um, a fun Instagram following where you share these things and you do bring good humor to it too. I will tell you that I'm not even on this journey and I'm like, oh man, Addie, like you, you find the beauty in it. So where can we find you on social media? I know you have your own podcast as well. Mm -hmm. So tell us where the listeners can find you. Yeah, you can find me over on Instagram at Adelaide underscore a white. And then I have a podcast that's just recently started. I'm like four episodes in and it is called faith over infertility. I love that. And I'll link both of those in the show notes of this. Um, and Addie, I just, I'm so happy I met you. Thank goodness. I know. Amen. Amen. Seriously. (laughs) Um, so Addie, thank you so much for sharing your story and I know it's going to impact someone and we are getting you back on when, when this, when this story is not over, we know that. So, um, everyone, thanks for listening to the Kate take again, as usual, you can find me at underscore Kate Brown or at the Kate take podcast. And I will be posting the listener of the week over on the Kate take podcast, Instagram. So if you have shared on your stories, or if you have left a written review, um, you have no idea how much that means to me. So I will be gifting, um, for the next four weeks through the month of October here and the rest part of November, um, some Starbucks gift cards for listeners. So make sure you tune in, tag me, and we will see you next week on the Kate take. Bye guys.